A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode in a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Yo, 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 it's Andy. I'm David. Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Logan. So this week we are reviewing episode uh, three of season two, School Hard. Uh, It originally aired September 29th, 1997. Uh, The story was by David Greenwald and Joss Whedon. The teleplay was by David Greenwald and it was directed by John T. Kretschmer. And is this the first one we've seen from Kretschmer? Uh, I know he is a... He he directed a couple episodes. Uh, he is a director that I seem to recall from coming up a lot for Buffy. Um, and I totally should have looked this up before <laughs> <That's okay>. I <laughs> before the actual episode. But uh, he is a just looking at his IMDb. Oh, he actually only did two episodes, but he did the Harvest. Yes, so, that's uh, right. oh, okay, that's where we. Know that's why name. he sounds familiar. Yes, yes. But he did a bunch of episodes for other stuff that I really love. So oh, apparently, recently he's been directing *I Zombie*. Oh, I yeah, really, I was going to mention that. that yeah, show. that's a great show. Very Buffy esque that show. Very. He was also um, he did a bunch of Veronica Mars. Yes, yeah. so. oh, makes sense. Why, that's why I know the name. Yeah, I recognize so his Rob name Thomas. from other shows too. But because I, I looked him up last night, but I can't remember now. Because I know I'd never watched Veronica Mars, but I know he did like a lot of other genre stuff mm-hmm. too. So yeah, no, he's very common genre director. So. He gets around. He's also done Burn Notice and White Collar and Army Wives. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, why? Yeah, I think he did a lot of stuff on USA. I think he did a couple of Sykes and um, he uh, White Collar also, like you said. So yeah, mm-hmm. he was, I noticed there's a lot of USA. Okay. Shows. Mm-hmm. And Charmed. But yeah. Okay. But, I mean, that it, the fact that it was directed by him is not the most memorable part of this episode. No. Uh, no uh, the most memorable part of this episode is fucking Spike and Drew. Uh, Finally! Yay! I was thinking about this as I was watching, and I'm like, not since, I would say, Prophecy Girl have we had such an iconic episode that has so much impact on this world. Oh, definitely. I, I this know. is a turning point. More iconic than Prophecy Girl, which I love and is really kind of. Mm-hmm. But I think this is that true start of what gels Buffy. This is when season two starts. I was, like, yeah, I was just gonna say this is this is like the iconic. This is the show. This like if there was anybody I was trying to get into the show, this probably would be one of the first episodes I'd show them. Yeah, probably. It's yeah, definitely like a, a gateway drug episode. This is this is the best of the show. This is why you should like it. Oh, and also yeah. as watching it. Just as an aside, I mean, I I loved Spike, and then I wound up hating Spike because of the whole Spike Buffy thing and <laughs> fandom. But going back and watching this again, it was like this is why I fucking love Spike. This is how I fucking love Spike. Yeah. Before he became like this dishrag, annoying, romantic, whatever, mm. and and Drusella is just everything. 
And I need to talk about the opening sequence, both parts of it, because the beginning with um, uh, Snyder uh, talking to the two girls, his speech at the beginning is really fucking awesome. In this episode, more than almost anything else, he reminds me of Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> he hates children and orphans, and someone's going to get expelled. Yeah. <laughs> I smell an expulsion! Armin Shimmerman is so good in that opening, though I do wonder if Sheila has physically harmed a teacher, how the fuck has she not been expelled yet? Pruning shears. That's unbelievable. I want to know how Snyder can't tell the difference between a trowel and pruning shears. (laughs) (laughs) Those are those are not similar implements. No, they're they're really not. I don't see Snyder doing a lot of gardening. So maybe (laughs) he's just not around a lot. Yeah, I have a theory. That it's a demon? I have a theory that Snyder has been told something about Buffy or feels oh, yeah. like he knows something about Buffy. Yeah. If you get to the end, I mean, just the discussion with the police chief, obviously he knows these are not gang members on PCP and they're already covering up supernatural stuff. So I think he knows something more about Buffy, too. That's in my notes, actually. Buffy yeah. not being expelled, I completely understand. But Sheila has absolutely no fucking excuse. And I mean, oh, no, none. <laughs> she's injured a teacher. Why is she getting the, this chance? I have so many issues with Sheila. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I think, I mean, Willow's excuse is just the fact that, well, you know, Fair they're, they're all afraid of her, so they let her stay. But that seems weird. Snyder's not afraid of anybody. I mean, even if he should be. I also suspect that the bar for getting in trouble in Sunnydale is just higher than in other places. I don't know because I'm I'm watching this and I'm like Buffy hasn't she really, really hasn't done anything. To be fair, it sounds like Buffy is being held responsible for the science building being he- uh, being burned down in the last episode. Yeah, cuz she does actually make reference to it when she says not exactly what yeah. school and then Sheila's like, "Oh, cool" or whatever. So yeah, there's a lot of mice with who smoke I don't think that Snyder knows that Buffy's the Slayer. I think, I mean, because we know. No, I don't think he's that. You know, there's going to be yet. a line. I think somewhere at the end of the season where they talk about, "Do you want to bring the mayor into this?" And he's like, "No." So I think he's been informed of the supernatural population, but I think he thinks Buffy's like a demon. Probably the mayor has said, "Keep <laughs> this girl here, and you know, like keep tabs on her." Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, he's been told to keep tabs on her. And so, because she really, like I said, she hasn't done anything really at school. She's cut class. But compared to Sheila, mm-hmm. like, she's done, like, nothing to warrant this kind yeah. of focused mm-hmm. hatred. Scrutiny. The mad yeah. on, the Snyder mad on. Yeah. So. But I, I think I think Buffy, I think Snyder just has it out for Buffy because it's, she, she she's kind of like, I mean, Sheila is trouble, but Buffy kind of exemplifies the lack of discipline that Snyder clearly abhors. And it's like, he's just like, he can, mm-hmm. he, I, he just pa- has a thing yeah, against I, Buffy. I, I kind of wonder if based off what, how we see him in Band Candy and Buffy's line in uh, Becoming uh, Part One, where she says, you never got a single date in high school. I'm wondering if Buffy looks like the chick that rejected Snyder. <laughs> okay. I'll I I buy that. He's kind of into Joyce during Band Candy, so 
He is really into Joy Story and Band Kitty, but I have that in my notes how much I'd like to explore more, ideally, of, of oh, yeah. Snyder's knowledge of the reality of Sunnydale. And if it's just, you know, sort of, he doesn't have the blinders that apparently every single other adult in that town has. And I mean, it's so weird because it's almost like he just doesn't care. Because if you actually look at, like, Graduation Day Part 2, uh, right before he dies, when the ma- the mayor has transformed into Alvacon... And all the o- the only problem that Snyder has is that you know there's no order going on. So it, it, it's almost it's mm-hmm. almost. I mean, it's c- quite possible that maybe Snyder has been like enchanted or something to just ignore, to be aware of everything that's going on, but to just not care. Interesting. You also have to question in this episode if he knows as much as he obviously knows. Why does he try to get out of that room? <laughs> he's, he's scared shitless at that point so it's, I think that's fight or, fight or flight and he's certainly the flight type so even if he knows even if I think he knows something rationally at that point he's just like in fact if you think about it in some ways if you think there's vampires coming out to get him and he knows what a vampire yeah. is he's going to want to get his ass out of there immediately he's not mm-hmm. going to want to hang around and get mm-hmm. eaten yeah okay back to this opening sequence uh, we have the this opening is cut into two parts so we have the part with uh, Snyder then we have a little tiny, like, uh, bridge with the Scooby gang and Xander jinxing the fuck out of them. And then we get to what is the most iconic yes. opening of a Buffy episode ever. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I just wrote in big yeah. letters. I, I was actually trying to think about it. It's like, what okay. openings of Buffy episodes are more iconic than this? And I was like, nothing is more iconic than this. This is number one on the list. I was able to come up with, like, a top I was able to come up with the top five. Um, like, number two is, like, the opening with Darla from Welcome to the Hellmouth. And then I'd also probably put For Innocence when you find out that Angel has turned into Angelus. And I would say the beginning of the body. And the beginning of the body. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that that's kind of, like, where I where I uh, hit on this list on the list but definitely this one i mean this one was so iconic that they repeat it again in lover's walk and i mean of course like uh it's so yeah. iconic that we used the sign for um welcome to sunnydale for the logo for our podcast of course we did i i do wonder what it says about me that you're sort of thinking this is so iconic and my thought is how much does sunnydale have to spend on like city songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their uh, their their budget must be incredible. Yeah, I I do have a question. When Spike gets out of his car, and and sort of drops the first line we hear from him, "Home sweet home," is he just talking about the Hellmouth in general? Because I can't think of his actual. He's never been to Sun- Sunnydale. He's just basically saying it's like this is home now. <laughs> I I th- I thought it was. Because he's coming back to mm. the master's possible, crew. though oh, I actually I don't know it, if yeah. uh, Spike and Drew were ever technically members of the Order of Aurelius because Drusilla was made mm. by um, Angelus, and Angelus was introduced to the master, but he was basically rejected by the master in their first meeting, and then he and Darla went off together. Then they made Drusilla, and then Drusilla made uh, Spike. And all of them spent a bunch of time together. I guess the fandom has kind of nicknamed them the whirlwind 
based off of a line from Darla. Which, uh, when, when people started yeah. to refer to them as that, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? But, but... I always heard them <laughs> referred to as the Fang I, Gang. Well, I have heard them referred to as the Fang Gang, but then that is also applied to Angel's... To Angel Investigations, so... Or the Fanged Four. Yeah. I've heard that one a lot, too. Yeah. But over the, like, the last maybe five <laughs> years or so, the whirlwind has become, like, really popular, so... Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, so technically Spike and Drew have never actually done anything with the Order of Aurelius unless they came in and did something like after they had left Angel because they were with Darla uh, for a while. Though I can't see Darla really keeping them around because I think she only... I don't know. I bet the Master would love Drusilla. This... Like, yeah. I bet he would flat out be like, you're, you're amazing. Probably. Like, you're so weird and amazing. But, yeah. You know, we don't yeah. know that for sure. Um, I do. I want comics of, you know, the history of Spike and Drusilla with the Order of Aurelius. I want a comic where Spike is at fucking Woodstock. Oh, that's it. That's what <laughs> yes. sold me on James Marsters. It's like, you know, because we hadn't seen him at a vamp phase. Well, he doesn't go to vamp phase. Yeah. Drusilla comes in the room. But his whole speech about, like. Woodstock and the flower people and you know yeah, I spent the next six hours watching right, my and hand then the, move I mean. and then Nancy boy <laughs> and then who am I kidding I love to brag I was like I don't know who you are really yeah but yeah. I love it. I give James Marsters such a fucking hard time these days because Spike got tiresome after a while and James Marsters is kind of skeevy but yes. fucking Spike in this episode oh, he's he is great. so good yeah, the, my only complaint about him in this, and I wrote it down here, is that what the fuck is that accent, though? Yeah. Because he, his accent improves as the series goes on, mm -hmm. but here he's all over the place. He's a little bit Cockney, he's a little bit North of England, he's just a mess. I kind of have the same thing with Drusilla. I kind of like, um, where is James Marsters? <laughs> James Marsters um, <laughs> has not quite yet nailed the accent uh because he has not spent enough time with tony head mm -hmm. yeah because that accent because yeah, tony yeah, was his dialogue that coach. accent is tony's uh real life accent yeah. so you know he, he will eventually kind of get it though i mean when i was first watching this as you know a stupid 14 year old kid i was like oh this british guy is so hot and then of course it was it took oh, me like a yeah. year to realize that it's like oh wait no he's like not english yeah um well i remember the fandom you know and interviews coming out and things like that talking about these two vampires that mm -hmm. were coming so i think we expected them there were a few not big spoilers so there was like an anticipation of these two new folks coming on board and you know i think the trivia that a lot of people know is that spike was supposed to be someone. yes texan to be specific. and then they changed the direction of i am wondering if if they had made him Texan, oh, really? if he would know. have been wearing a Stetson. <laughs> oh, God. Where, oh, <laughs> he would have been like Lyle in Texas. Oh, God. So I'm really glad. We will I get to go. that episode. Oh, yeah. Episodes, actually. Um, yeah. And also, like, seriously, I give James Marsters a hard time, but damn, he was fucking hot. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> exactly yeah i just was like this is i suddenly remembered why i loved him so much because it's like yeah you know he's squeeful he's absolutely perfect in this episode except for the dodgy accent and that's okay he's his acting his lines his everything like supersedes. and drusilla is fantastic drusilla played by juliet lando uh martin lando's daughter her. she actually did not have to audition 
for this role. Um, Joss just really liked the movie Ed Wood, which is, you know, good good taste <laughs> because as Yay. much trouble as I give Johnny Depp, Ed Wood is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And, and strange bit of trivia, but the, one of the two writers of Ed Wood is actually the husband of a friend of mine from college who was my friend's former fiancé. Huh. So, like, two degrees of separation, but I've never met Scott nice. Alexander. But mm. I always think that's kind of cool. So, yeah. But just a yeah. weird aside. Yes. Yeah, and so she uh, ended up getting the role of Drusilla without auditioning for it. I think there had a, mm-hmm. been some talk about possibly making her Southern back when they were uh, talking about making Spike a Texan, but she didn't want to sound like Blige Dubois. So. Right. Mm. I got that note once in an audition. They're like, can you dial that back? I'm like, well, that's Blige Dubois for us, because you're doing great, but pull it back. (laughs) So, you know, apparently that's everybody's fear when they try to do an accent. So much of this episode is just iconic because that scene of them with their heads together and when they turn to face the anointed one that is just like every time i think of spike and drusilla i think of that moment and that is another thing that they call back they call it back in uh, something blue with buffy which you know yeah. um yeah i think also like for me spike and Drusilla also it's just like the perfect mix of like black humor and what the fuck is this? And and scary, but not like yeah. you know gross scary. They're just they're really great characters, and the two of them pull it off. And yeah. also, and it, weird, it's so weird that they are together because Spike is so modern, like with this Billy Idol hair and just you know punk rock. And then there is this delicate Victorian Gothic girl who you know so frail and everything and uh, and you know spike is all like oh i'm you know bored and i'm gonna go kill things and then he's like oh baby i'm going to take care of you it's yes well we will eventually well, learn yes, that, that spike true. was not always right, like but this. at this point we had no idea <laughs> he was also a frail victorian princess so what? I'm yes sorry, I missed that, Logan. <laughs> I said he was also a Victorian princess. I love you. Oh, Bill. Okay. He was sort of, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't know any of this. So all of a sudden you have these completely, you know, and she, Drusilla, Juliet Lando really fits into that sort of 90s gothy, like, you know, I loved her nails. I coveted her, like, weird French manicure thing. I did those, yeah. Like, ugh. I, I still her. do those actually her. if I'm like if I know my nails aren't going to chip. So Right, yeah. I've done them a couple of times, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, now Juliet Landau really really yeah. named, nails it right out of the gate. She gets the spookiness and and frailty uh-huh. of, of Drusilla right right away. I, I like Spike mm-hmm. I think is going to still develop a bit, but Drusilla is she's just drusilla right now that's not there's no there's not going to be any change unless um until you get over to angel when she's suddenly not wearing the victorian dresses and she's wearing very fancy like leather pants and stuff and that weird flashback from the girl in question which is just like kind of blows my mind when she's wearing the little like cigarette pants and saying ciao oh Oh my my god God, it's like my favorite um that very yes. hipster, snappy fingers, like 60s. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I could tell I yeah. so much about mm-hmm. Spike and Drew. Yeah. Yeah, just being also like Drew is just like as a character so wonderful because she's just like this weird, you know, Mrs. Rochester in the attic, you know, as you said, goth girl. And she's batshit crazy, but there's something actually, and, and she's mm-hmm. a vampire, but there's something absolutely lovable about her. I mean, it's just like, I she think just as draws we you get in. further along in these stories, we're, you know, Drew can be very problematic because of the batshit crazy, I'm using quote yeah. fingers, and sort of the portrayal of mental illness and where that, you know, and the, the sort of Joss yeah. frail girl with the fucked up mind kind of repeated motif that he goes to. But I, I mean, I still love her. And in this episode, they're just amazing. I, just uh, I think one that. of the cool things about Drew is, and I think we will get more into this later once Angelus comes into things, but Drusilla is almost Madonna and horror at the same time. Yeah, uh, because she is so yeah. childlike and innocent, Very but she point. is mm-hmm. to- she totally plays Spike and Angelus against each other. So yeah, I mean, she's just... Oh, she's so complex and she she's only in 27 episodes across the two series. She does not play into a lot of episodes. Um, but what you get is so rich and I think there's still a mystery behind her. So you want to know more about her, but you don't get it. And I know after a while actually uh Juliet Landau would they would keep on pitching episodes to her, but after season five of Buffy, she refused to appear in any present day stuff because they, she was worried they were gonna kill her off. Hmm. <laughs> that's great. Smart. That's like, I'm only gonna on do flashbacks. Yeah. So that's yeah. good on And her. I think with Spike, mm, um, um yeah. with the um um Drusilla's uh, hitting it right out of the gate with Drusilla while Spike took a little while. Spike was only planned to be in like three or four episodes before he died. So He was supposed to die in what's in the line. Like in that whole thing. So yeah. Yeah, So I think that might also contribute to him you know taking a while to build up. And I don't know how much James Marsters had done on uh, I mean he was a stage actor but I don't know if he had done much television work before this. Meanwhile uh, Juliet Landau had done she had done obviously she had done Ed Wood, but she had done uh, um, other work. So it's possible he was still trying to get his feet on uh, the actual acting of. Right, and also, I think there's probably a difference between like writing somebody yeah. who you think is going to be only like a, a short-term villain, and how much you're going to put into it versus somebody who suddenly becomes like a long-term villain, and then. Like it or not, a long-term exactly, protagonist yeah. of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so then right. they had. I mean, also if they were going to make him more sympathetic, which they did, they had mm-hmm. to like turn things around. Also, so yeah. So I think that's the other reason he kind of is fully he does is not coming out yeah. fully. fully. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got to evolve as things go on. Yeah, that's it, it's it's totally reasonable. This ha- that that happened. I guess I I don't know. I I I only I only brought it that up in in comparison to to Drew. I mean, I think in this episode, he's pretty fully, we get, you you see what, you get what you see. And there is some more development mm-hmm. later, but I think he's really, oh God, what is the word I'm looking for? For this episode, for School Hard, I think he just, it's just, he's just, it's an oh. amazing Oh yeah, definitely. I can't think, I oh, can't yeah. think of a definitely. better introduction of a new character in any 
show I watched. Mm-hmm. Like really, like mm, this. He's got yeah. a pretty good introduction. He yeah. really does, and mm-hmm. ugh, I just oh, I love Spike. And it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> how this all plays out with all of us <laughs> as we get later on in the seasons, because I I am an avowed to the end of the earth Spuffy shipper. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be some, you know, contention in a good way. So, no, one hundred percent. Believe me, I am. I am very, very much against them as a cup of spuffy. So, therefore, yeah, I think they'll they'll, they'll be worse. Yeah, like, good naturedly. Oh, <laughs> so I've got some backup on this. Is what you're saying? I go back and forth on yes, them. <laughs> this brings up a question that I've been trying to trying to puzzle out. So, you you talk about spuffy shipping. What the heck Bangle. would Angel and Buffy's it's couple Bangle. be? Bangle. 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 Okay. <laughs> it's Bangle. What would, what would Buffy and, like, <laughs> healthy mentality, what would that shit name be? Huffy? I don't know. I, I imprinted on it as a mind. baby duckling, okay? And there's some incredible <laughs> writers in this Buffy fandom that have done some really cool stuff with Spike that you don't sometimes when I ship stuff I don't really care what's happening on screen I just want to read this really cool I just I don't know I just honestly for me and Spuffy it's like as of this episode like I was shipping them fucking hardcore I was I was, quite, I was shipping quite, them yeah. up until like in once more with feeling when they kiss I like freaked the fuck out but then by the time we got Maybe. smashed I was like I, I'm I'm not into this. <laughs> yeah, I'm so much into I'm so into Drew and, and and Spike as a thing, and I don't know if they have a ship name. And I don't care that I just Buffy doesn't even enter into the equation. I just like want those two. Together it makes sense. Forever. Well, I think it's With fair to acknowledge the the chemistry between Sarah and James, that, especially yeah. that scene where they're they're you know they're big conf- confrontation and the. The school and the weapons comment and that entire back mm-hmm. and forth is really, really it really good. is, especially how yeah. how how nonchalantly Sarah plays that. It's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, I'm just me personally. I'm not somebody who like oh they're enemies so therefore they have to be sleeping together. <laughs> I'm much more of like people who get together and people who are already like friends or there's there's that kind of chemistry more positivity. I mean I know it's mm-hmm. a thing in fandom but it's just yeah. like, not my trip. Yeah, I mean so. again it imprinted on me like a baby duckling at age of 22 or 23 and I just can't mm-hmm. seem to quit it and you know it's sort of and I mean certainly they were set time. they were setting things up like that first scene where Spike is stalking Buffy and watching her. It is so oh, predatory and sexy over. and it yeah, is it, all tensiony it's, and it's it's, it's like you already know that Spike is in love with her. The only thing that ruins that scene for me is the overenthusiastic extra dancing behind James Marsters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to say she that. She looks like she's trying to take flight. She is thrilled to be that close to him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I will mm-hmm. say that whole scene kind of bothers me because it's obviously they're dancing mm-hmm. and there's no music playing. Because if you watch like to the actual music yeah. that's going on, the way people are moving, it's completely out of sync. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Okay, but Xander's <laughs> little dance that he does, like when you can see him in the background and the girls are talking, and he's just doing this stupid dance. I just, it's endearing mm-hmm. to me. And it's one of the reasons why I actually do like yeah. Xander sometimes because I appreciate a man that is not afraid to get out on the dance floor <laughs> and even though he knows he looks absolutely dorky, he's going to do it because he's having fun anyway. 
And so I love watching Xander dance. I think he's adorable. In, in background things that, that bug MC, when the band Nickel is playing, uh, when they're just about to start their second song, you can see a poster for them and it is a poster specifically for the song they're about to play. <laughs> and I immediately yeah. flashed to when they were first airing Buffy. And at the end of each episode, they have like the um, album cover and it's like, this episode of Buffy featured music from. And so that's immediately what I thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did that. And they did that on. They did it on all of the all WB the shows. Too. All the WB. They oh, really yeah. sort of had a yeah. symbiosis well, it's, with. It's not like you know, back then you could be like, hey, Siri, what yeah. song is this? Oh, God, I hope my phone doesn't go up <laughs> All right, we're good. Yeah, there wasn't even iTunes then, yeah. so you couldn't just like rush to iTunes and like download it. You had to actually or since go we are wire. be like so. go into FYI FYE and be like, hey, do you have since we're talking about the music, uh, both uh, uh, the songs mm-hmm. in it are from the Bronze, and they're from the same band called Nickel. The first one is a th- is Thousand Nights, which is played when Willow is helping Buffy with her French and. The second one is Stupid Thing, and that's the Spike Stalking song. And I still really like that song. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I actually don't know the band, but I might want to have might have to go and look So the song. scene of them in the bronze, um, when uh, Willow and Buffy are uh, practicing French. Uh, Jan <laughs> might be the only person who appreciates this, but when... Buffy, when uh, Willow translates what Buffy says, I really wanted it to be the fish eat my furniture. <laughs> apparently, apparently, so, Janice, um, it's a, a, a reference that. to yep. um, Elephant Parts, which is a Michael Mesmith video that came out in the 80s. Ah. It's actually kind of the birth of the music yes. video. And there's a sketch in it where he is uh, translating a, a Spanish love song. And in it is, um, and it's just all of these nonsensical lines. And one of them is, the fish eat my furniture, no running by the pool. (laughs) My clothes are radioactive. (laughs) I mean, I saw that when it aired, but I don't remember that guy. I do remember him singing Guantanamera with a bunch of uh, Mexican musicians. And then when they realize he's actually (laughs) singing One Ton Tomato, instead of Guantanamera, they just all leave. (laughs) <laughs> we had actually we had a, i used to work at a video store when i was in college and that came out and that was one of the things we played in the store like in oh it's amazing my boss really loved it so it was a time when i used to be able to like repeat it all for verbatim and now it's kind of just yeah fuzzy in the background i, I don't think yeah. i've actually seen it since it aired so i have it on dvd if we ever get together and we're i recommend DVD everybody player, track it down it. because Woo-hoo. it is one of my favorite things of all time uh, mm-hmm. Because I'm a huge Michael Nesbeth fan. <laughs> Elvis Drugs. Yeah, the Spanish and the bronze is, it's adorable. French. Oh, the French. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I brought up Spanish. And that's going to come up yes. a couple of times throughout this season, all the bad French. So. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I what remnants of my high school French remain tell me that Willow's description of what Buffy said is pretty mm-hmm. much exactly straight on. Fairly accurate. It's yeah. like like she says that, but wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm like I 
was not listening with good audio, so it was like I picked up the part about lavash, and it was like okay, something about a cow. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was thinking of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes, or, so. yeah. as in fetche lavash. Fetche so. lavash. It's, yes, yes. It's like the, the cow should touch me from Thursday, I believe, is what. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that that actually yeah. good, good line there and good catch, Claire. So but that that whole scene, I mean, like I think. I know it also sets up Spike also just in terms of he's not as stupid as he sometimes is portrayed. Mm. I mean, he actually is really good in terms of getting strategy in this episode. So and and using mm-hmm. people, I actually I love the fact that he sets up the big goon and like go outside and get something to eat, and then two seconds later, oh yeah. no, there's well, I mean, it serves girl, two purposes <laughs> because he gets <laughs> yeah. to watch Buffy. Uh, well, it serves three purposes actually. He gets to see Buffy's fighting style. He gets to um, put some thoughts in his spank bank, because you know that happened. And three, he gets rid of that annoying yeah. vampire who was giving him a hard time at the beginning of the episode. Right. Right. That's like my first thing. It's like, oh, you, you, you're a brilliant little bastard. Oh, I mean, personally, I, mm-hmm. I seriously well, think part of it is just setting up some of that Slayer fantasy, because he's got a thing for Slayers who are able to kick his ass. He does And because it also comes up with um, with Nikki, that you know, he had a thing for Nikki, too, so. I mean, how can you not, though? Mm. Look at Nikki. Wood. Which one? I know both of them. Both of them are super hot. Ladies. I personally prefer the the OG Nikki, yeah. Original OG Nikki was yeah, yeah. smoking hot. Who did not beg for her life, uh, despite what Spike says in this. He's so full of shit. I read somewhere that uh, is it a, was a comic book or something uh, in the that in the angel have her pleading for in the angel episode Damage. There is a um, Slayer who um, has been basically broken uh, mentally, and she mm-hmm. channels all of the other Slayers like they're. Because she's getting Slayer dreams and she is not able to mentally process it. So she ends up saying lines from other Slayers. And so she ends up you know, saying, please, I have to get home to my son Robin. But we don't know if that was actually a thought that Nikki had had or if that's something that she actually said to Spike. Personally, I think Spike is just mm-hmm. full of shit because... Spike's a bragger. Like, I mean, Spike's going to brag and say yep. he did stuff that he maybe kind of did. But he's always going to embellish that story, you know? Because he's a sensitive poet at heart. So, you know, <laughs> right. it's creative license. Even if it were just a mix-up between the two slayers he's killed, he makes a point of saying that he doesn't speak Chinese yeah. when he kills the woman in the Boxer Rebellion. So he's like, it could right. be true. You don't know. She could have been Megan. <laughs> yeah, tell my sister I love her. Is that what she says? No, that that's what or, she says. Is that, yeah. Am I mixing that up with Lost? Oh, God. They Sorry, I'm just, Lost, there's so much... Oh my god, Spike and Spike's history. and just oh, I'm gonna have so much fun and I get to fool for a loaf and Darla. <laughs> Ugh, right? I, uh, <laughs> I love Spike. I just, I can't, I can't help it. I love him. Um, not as much as I love Giles now. When I was 23, oh my god, all about Spike. Now I'm sort of like, Giles is such a more healthy Oh god, yes. And is a reformed bad boy that is very supportive and which is great, which is, you know, in my 40s, what I need for my relationships. But back then, oh, hell, mm-hmm. leather pants, fangs, bleach blonde hair. I No, I was all about that. So. Mm. You see, I think that's part of it with me and why I'm not, because I was older when I was watching this. I was 30-something. 
around why would it was at what 2000 whenever like i said i was watching season one and everything concurrently with season six so i was over like the bad boy it's like why you know to go into other fandoms i was never really into eric northman in true blood uh suki stackhouse fandom for the same reason i'm like over the bad boys you know i which is not to say i want like you know marshmallow whatever you know boring people but yeah, so Spike, I love Spike, but I like Spike as an antagonist and a, you know, it would be stalker. Yeah, well, I was 14, I so I was all boyfriend. fucking about it, because that's what you're like when you're 14. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I'd been 14 yeah. when I was watching this, and I would have been had the biggest Spike fan. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I end up getting issues. It's like, I liked Spike when he, he and Buffy were trying to kill each other. I wanted Buffy and Spike to try and kill each other and then just, like, hate fuck. And... Oh, see, that would be perfect. I could deal with that. Just not the, the mushy, slushy Originally stuff we get later fandom, on. this Buffy shipping phenomenon really started, it started a little bit here, but it was after season two when they teamed yeah. up and then he left with Drew. There were these really cool, dark stories, you know, that are, that, they were really great. And that's kind of what the fandom doesn't write about with Spike anymore. But at the time, it was a totally different sort of way to ship it than I would say. Yeah, well, people had basically like a year where they could do shit with Spike um, because he only had like that one appearance in season three. And you you don't really get a whole lot of, you know, all you find out is that he's love's bitch. And that's the basically all of his character development in the episode. He's he's still Spike that he's still Spike (laughs) from season two. Yes, he is still Spike from season two, and I think it was. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, it's not until he's chipped. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah, I lost my train of yeah. thought. Moving on. Because <laughs> okay, I was going to say, for me also, because I came in later, and like I said, I was at season yeah. six, so a lot of things were already sort of carved in stone. A lot of the fanfic and a lot of the people I knew in fandom were like over the top romance hearts and flowers and spike is just this little you know romantic domestic whatever. yeah i mean and that's what i oh see i was with. never yeah, into that just, i was, for me, that was more about like, redemption and communication and learning and i really like a lot of post season seven spuffy stuff that you know as we go forward i can i can recommend um that i just mm-hmm. adore but maybe because of the writing that's yeah. a lot of the writing so the other problem for me, I, I knew that a lot of the reason that Spuffy became was because they were kind of catering to the fandom, and that's something that really bugs me. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but that's yeah, like a, a big issue with me. get together, and when they did, I was like, oh, huh, interesting. So, yes, moving on to this episode, because there is, a, this is, we're yeah. in season two, and this is stuff from season yes. six, so. Yeah, for sure. Well, we, we, we did skip over a couple of scenes mm-hmm. that I think are kind of one of which is pretty significant for me. Yeah. Uh, the scene with Buffy and Joyce. Yes. Yes. Because it's this episode is clearly the tr- mm-hmm. Joyce's transition point mm-hmm. because, you know, she does this whole speech. about like she starts off going, it's like, I know life is about more than grades and studying. But, you know, don't make me have to move again. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, Joyce, great parenting. Thanks. And and of course by the end of the episode, she has a much greater she she and all, and she and she talks mm-hmm. about Buffy disappointing her, which is ooh, kind of harsh. But by the end of the episode, she she 
clearly mm-hmm. has much more respect for Buffy than she did yeah. in the beginning. Well, I think when it starts out, she doesn't, obviously she hasn't seen her in action, doesn't know what she's doing, so she just thinks, she's just kind of like this, va- she still thinks she's like, you know, vacuous Buffy who likes shopping, and then apparently is a juvenile delinquent, and then suddenly she sees her taking care of everything, saving people. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. first thing that happens is Buffy picks up a chair and throws it at a bunch of vampires as, or, you know, those guys with the weird faces right. as they're coming to attack. And I got to say, th- really, Spike gets knocked <laughs> to the ground and out of commission for a few seconds because he got hit with a chair. <clears throat> that's, that's not impressive. I, I, know, I always think about Joyce, especially now that I'm a little older, that I don't think Joyce or Hank, horrible as he is, ever expected... You have a nice little white family living in L.A. and you don't expect your oh, kids yes. to get in that kind of trouble because it's not mm-hmm. expected. So I think Joyce has to sort of go through a seismic shift. And she does move to Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. Yes, to start over, but also as a way of distancing herself from her ex and the divorce and starting over and she owns her own business and is trying to be a strong single mother she just doesn't always succeed but she is freaking amazing mm-hmm. in this episode i love her yeah yes. for me yeah. this 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 episode even more than the introduction of spike who i despite the shit i will inevitably talk about him do love a lot is great because we get an exploration of joyce and bubby's relationship which ultimately makes what is like Buffy sees, I think, is her mother's betrayal and Ted later in the season even more poignant because, you know, she felt, yeah. I think she did feel that they were making some headway into Joyce being a little more accepting of her mysterious after school. Yeah. Uh, this episode is kind of like the um, end of the road in terms of the Joyce just showing up to be like, you know, Buffy, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you, you know, you know, sneak out and, you know, get into fights and stuff because with each subsequent appearance, she is she is more of a character rather than just an obstacle for Buffy to overcome. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. really yeah. see where Buffy gets some of the strong spirit and need to protect. Joyce goes back for Buffy. She's not going to yeah. save herself. You know, she... She threatens what she sees mm-hmm. as a gang member on drugs with right. an axe. My queen. Yeah, I mean, she's... Yeah. Well, I think it, it's. I think with everything is set up because there's the foreshadowing at the very beginning. You know, when Snyder first meets her, and he says, "Oh, well, I can see a family resemblance." And yeah. It's like then we we get to see why. Yeah, I think. I mean, Joyce is awesome. Yeah. In in terms of like her mm-hmm. daughter, and it just like yeah, it, it works. Yeah. This this is definitely one of those episodes where more pieces are falling into place, where we get what we will think of mm-hmm. as Buffy, because mm-hmm. Joyce becomes more active. We get Spike. And we, we get a little more of the, we get the sort of Spike Drew Angel, the beginning, the first introduction of the Spike Drew Angel thing, or at mm-hmm. least Spike and Angel. And so, like, this is, this is, like, the first episode where we have mm-hmm. Buffy, as we will, Random as we will come trivia, to know. bit of trivia, this is actually the first episode where we get Joyce's first name. Before this, she was uh, she was always oh. Buffy's mother oh, okay. or Mrs. Summers, so she is Joyce for the first time. Oh, oh wow, hmm. nice! Cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Speaking of Angelus and Angel's singular, oh my god, unhelpfulness this episode. How great was it when he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, Spike is dangerous." Bye. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down right here that Angel just yeah. shows up to be Basil Exposition and then leaves. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why does Giles have to search for this information? You could have just said it in the 
20 seconds it took for you to quietly back out of the because he doesn't want to own up to his past at this point but yeah because he's undead liar guy (laughs) which is just like one of the best lines out of xander i think it's just like you're a liar undead liar guy but i'm gonna say david boreanaz and the scene with spike is awesome that is the moment where i'm like oh my god you're not terrible you because he's angelus for just a few seconds there you know and you and he gets a moment of comedic acting which i think you'll discuss david being excellent yeah at, uh, and he's uh, good at being evil yeah. yes I'm, I'm reminded of uh you know john wayne was never considered by many a, a great actor but you know he appeared in i don't even know how many john ford westerns but when howard hawks had him in red river Apparently, Ford said to Hawks that after seeing Red River, he's like, I looked at that and I said, huh, he can huh. act. <laughs> he's really good in the quiet. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, but one of the uh, with uh, David, uh, I know that David and Sarah love each other like, you know, forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they have really good chemistry together as actors, because, I mean, it seems like David has better chemistry with a lot of like with James, he has fantastic chemistry. With with Spike, yeah, I mean, yeah. like uh, Joss yeah, himself. True. When uh, Spike finally comes over onto Angel as a regular, he actually says, "It took five years, but we finally found a love interest for Angel." Uh, just because their chemistry was so good. Um, <laughs> true. Oh, their chemistry is amazing. You you totally knew they were uh, doing <laughs> at some point. I think when they, I think they come honestly. I absolutely. I'm. Oh, that's canon. Joss that. has admitted to that. Um, for me, the best. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought you meant Spike and Angel doing it. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Yeah, you guys want to talk about that? Because I'll talk about that. But no, I mean, um, I think the time that was most believable for me was when is in season seven when they have their moment in in the graveyard. I'm like, oh right, these are two people who. Mm-hmm. Are utterly in love with each other for a very long time that i believe that now but up until that point all these years later i'm still just yeah yeah all right i guess yeah and i mean that's and i mean that scene in season seven is also these are two people who are in love but also are on completely different paths so i mean almost it almost like the um awkwardness that sarah and david have with their chemistry works in their favor in that scene when they've been separated for a long time Mm -hmm. so i'm sorry i'm just this entire season is just going to be me pouring buckets of salt on the entire bangle thing (laughs) yeah i mean i think they have a different kind of chemistry but it is not i mean you get that scene with sarah and james the very first one and you're like boom yeah it's like these two lights shining and you're like whoa because they are. They're just spark yeah. immediately. Yeah. Which is weird because Sarah does not like James I'm... nearly as much as she likes David. Yeah, I'm sort of the descending here, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not a rabid, hardcore, you know, uh, Bengal shipper. I, I think the only ship that really matters to me is probably like Willow and Oz on the show. But I like it. I'm okay. I accept it. I can see it, but it's not like this burning, mm. you know, thing that I have to like focus on. But I, I see some chemistry, but I, I, I agree that she def, she definitely had more mm-hmm. chemistry with, with uh, James Marster. So, but maybe it's because she didn't know him as well. I mean, sometimes it, it that kind of works against you as an actor. 
you know, if you know somebody too well, it's kind of hard to like project. I mean, part of it might be uh, David's, uh, you know, still trying to get a handle on acting, but him, basically him being, you know, actually, now that I'm saying this, I think this is it because I had the same problem with Angel and Cordelia. Angel does not, or David's not really good at being the romantic interest. No, he's not. Huh. Yeah, which is a shame because... Well, yeah, I mean, like, I hated Angel until he got over onto his own show when he is the lead and he is able to be funny and he is... Most of his relationships are friendships or, you know, familial. So when he is actually forced into that romantic lead, he falls completely flat for me. He does, I think. I mean, and I definitely, I think I've said this before, that I was buying into Buffy and Angel. It was presented on screen to me and I tend to go, oh, here's the thing you're presenting... As long as I don't find it, you know, at at the time, now I find it super problematic, but at mm-hmm. the time I wasn't really thinking about it. And I remember being very heartbroken about what will happen later in this season yeah. with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it, yeah, David doesn't do the romantic. He's a romantic hero in terms yeah. of persona, but yeah, just his chemistry with people are pretty not same thing on bones i mean i thought they were nice friends but when they got him into any romantic thing i was like oh yeah you guys just don't work oh see i i thought it worked much better i, I mean of course by because yeah. he's got a lot more experience but... when they finally pulled the trigger i wasn't about it but the the yeah years i mean of course by bones i mean david had been acting mm-hmm. for much much longer like he'd He'd had like sure. what, like eight, nine mm-hmm. years of like mm-hmm. being a regular on a show. So no, and David does become a really solid. I think he's fairly overlooked as an actor because he's he's very solid. He is apparently very mm-hmm. hardworking, and things you hear from sets of shows, people really yeah. like him on set. The stuff you hear about him outside of work, forget about it. But you know, um, yeah, he's very solid and, and he's getting there and he will get there. And I think this scene between him and Spike is really that click. Oh, that I he, love that scene. It's really uh, that people still fall for that Anne Rice routine. I love that line. <laughs> yeah, it really that is. is such a good line. God, he's got some incredible lines. You uncle. Oh, Tom that is, is so problematic, though. Oh, Damn, God, Spike. it's me the willies. So awful. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. Well, while we're on that scene, shall we address yes. the uh, sire issue? Yes. 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 Okay, that drove me crazy. That drove me crazy. How can Xander be that stupid? He doesn't know what the word sire means, even if he doesn't know what it means in terms of vampires. Oh, I, I, I was going. I was talking about the no, fact that no, he's not. Uh, not Joss has sire. now gone back and said that like sire means you know anybody within you know the ancestral line, and I'm like bullshit. You just did not know at the time. Bullshit. Yeah, you didn't know it at the time. Right, you exactly. Joss is pulling yeah. George Lucas on that one. That <laughs> yeah. is... Yeah, that's total retcon. I'm going to use that, David. Well, beyond that, this is... I mean, as far as Xander's ignorance is concerned, this is an episode where our protagonist... Oh, my God! That that bit bothered me so much right. just because that... <laughs> I think we that, can let it That go. joke was so super awkward because when you... Somebody said, I made lemonade. Why is the first thing Willow said, how much sugar you put in it? That's just like, it's such an awkward setup for a joke. Yeah. The Cordy, yeah. I mean, the the payoff payoff is what makes it worth it. It's actually really good. (laughs) 
True. And Willow's lemon face is Absolutely. really great. And Willow's yeah. Willow take lemon also. face is adorable. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I think they yeah. could have done it without like the little buildup of how much sugar did you put in it? They could have just had Willow had yeah, it and awkward. then had the lemon face. Right. Yeah. But alas. It just could have been, oh, I made lemonade, and then she tries it, yeah. and it's horrible. Then she could have put yeah, the light. Yeah. yeah, if you just reverse that whole, I made lemonade, and Willow's like, cool, let me taste it. Ah, did you put sugar in this? You, it would have played much It's possible, because, I mean, like, for the way it's written, it could have been read either of those ways. So I'm actually thinking that it might have been a direction thing, where it's, that was just a part that was directed uh, poorly, so... But yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's yeah, a lot of shit in this episode that like okay. really great lines. Like I really like with Spike, Giles saying Spike, it's a little unorthodox, and Buffy says maybe he's reformed. <laughs> maybe he's reformed. <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, by comparison to all these vampires following the Anointed One, who are super into ritual and things like that, he is reformed. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I. I remember watching this episode for the first time and being legitimately mm-hmm. afraid. Like, I was not afraid of, you know, any of these weird anointed ones and his followers. And they really, I agree with Spike. A little more ritual, fun. More fun. Yeah. More fun. Yeah. I was never afraid of the anointed one. But from this point forward, uh, having done this last rewatch, uh, the point where I realized he looked like Jennifer Lawrence with a bowl cut. <laughs> I'm googling right now. <laughs> Please do. It's it's uh <laughs> So if we're talking about the the scene in the school, I kind of Oh my god, he does. Sorry. Again. <laughs> yeah, he does. Talk about um family and sort of, you know, how what's going on in uh, Greenwald and Whedon's family that they think it's an appropriate thing for mother to be like, yeah, "Go ahead and, and climb into the ceiling because my mother would fight me herself." I, I uh, I'm I'm very interested in, in why Joyce is so sanguine about um <laughs> about Buffy. I got no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. True. Neither do I. Yeah. She's she she. That's a complete one eighty from her attitude. About uh, there's a lot of logical problems in this episode. Um, like. You mean the vampires having preternatural knowledge? Well, there's that. Um, I I want to know why Giles thought (laughs) that it was a really good idea to make weapons in the library on fucking parent-teacher night. (laughs) Because nobody ever goes Anybody walks in, they can just be like, we're doing a course on medieval weaponry. It's not real. Can I just make an aside? Because I made a note here as well in terms of weaponry. How badass did Willa look? Yeah. How proud of herself did she look with that damn crossbow? So badass. It's just like, and and actually, I was I think that sort of foreshadowing also because yeah. of what she does with the bus later when she just like saves Cordy's. Oh, oh a, a willow weapon like, note. Oh, uh, that's that not a fucking right. mace. That's a flail. Great moments. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like they but, don't call it a mace, willow, but okay. <laughs> I, I could uh, I could see willow not having full knowledge. I knew of it off the top of my head. <laughs> yes. If I didn't. Well, right, but yeah. I guess she doesn't play D&D, because, yeah. you know, we always yeah, learn those things around. Yeah. No, I played Magic the Gatherings. So. Speak, speaking of the, the weapon-making scene, mm-hmm. I, I uh, note that, an- again, significant, another significant new thing in this episode, this is the first it time is. Yeah. participating without a Cordelia-related no reason. There is no reason for her to participate. I mean, mm. she whines about it, but 
she does and yeah. she does it grudgingly but willingly and yeah. yeah well the fact that she's there at all yeah. with the with these people that until now she has essentially like made yeah. a, made uh, well a she would be there on uh, Saturday if she didn't have right. a leg wax uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who goes and gets her legs waxed at like that's very true or, yeah I mean, six o'clock on um, saturday night but okay i do love cordy's line about she sees buffy's mom and she's like that is a woman <laughs> who knows how to moisturize did it skip a generation did it skip a generation <laughs> yes, of course. and it's a huge yep, compliment because joyce does yeah. look absolutely amazing christine Sutherland mm-hmm. is very yeah. beautiful yeah, I just, I just, yeah, Cordy's just hanging out. She's helping people with the stuff. She's, she's making a better yeah. steak than Xander, who presumably has it's more It's the moment that Cordy yeah. becomes a full Yes, she Scooby. is a full Scooby at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mm-hmm. know um, where the fuck did Buffy learn to cut vegetables? Because, like, I mean, I know she's using a big ass, like, sword to do it, <laughs> but... A mach- yeah, but I mean, come on! It's like, a machete, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, she'd be raked over the coals unchopped. It's a yeah. great sight gag, though. It's a great sight gag. Yeah, yeah but they they, they were really they were really things. big, and <laughs> she wasn't actually problem. cutting all the way through the cucumber. So, but they look beautiful on the plate when you know they they started reaching for the cut uh, peppers. So. Mm-hmm. As someone who doesn't know how to cook anything, I just don't. Pay I do. I love cooking, peppers. so I I notice stuff like that. And considering they almost had those peppers in their mouths, they need to fucking eat those because you you can't put them back on the plate. True. Just just keep I'm them. Like, yeah. Yeah. You touch them. You don't put them back. No. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of sight gags in this episode. A lot of gags in general that I think are funny, but also kind of infuriate me. I appreciate the humor, but why did nobody think to make sure I know, right? that Willow and Cordelia were alive? I mean, Buffy even hinted at they might be dead, and nobody thought to look for them. Right. Nobody looks for them, and they're, they're there in the middle of the night praying. Which makes so. the episode yeah. pass the Bechdel test, by the way. And okay. actually, oh, Joyce's no conversations with Buffy flying fly, colors. That's true. And of course, we had there's there's actually two period jokes in this episode, which I kind of I don't. Mm-hmm. The fact that Buffy only carries yeah. a yo-yo, a tampon, and a steak in her purse. Those are the essentials. Here's here's what the exact script note was: Xander races to the table, opens Buffy's purse, claws through lipstick, makeup, hairbrush, a tampon. Xander, ah! He drops it like a hot tampon. Finally, finds a steak and runs. <laughs> Like a hot tampon. You'll know those classic hot tampons. Yeah. I mean, that that actually is a really good visual, especially if you're a girl, because I have a feeling some guys might, at least on what I was, the screen that I'm watching on, it's not that apparent. But I thought it was really good. But then, you know, when when Corey's like, well, you know, I won't, don't let me kill anybody unless it's my time Mm -hmm. of the month. I'm just like, really? Mm, Really? And uh, even if it's true, back in the day, everybody was super convinced that Buffy was on her period during this episode. Not only, because I mean, like, women will often carry tampons just at any time. Just, I carry them just in case someone else in a, if I'm in a bathroom and someone's like, hi, I'm stuck in the stall and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, here you go, honey. It wasn't just that, but it was Spike's (laughs) line about, I smell the blood of a nice, ripe girl. Everybody was convinced that Buffy was on her period. And I was oh. like, oh. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, Actually, that's when you're right. Ov- she's yeah. ovulating because I think that's when yeah. your pheromones change. Yeah. Well, yeah, I honestly, I don't. I guess that makes more sense because I always expected him to sort of rhyme it with like plum or something else that rhymes with the um sound, but. <laughs> Maybe this is the first indication he's a bad poet. <laughs> Maybe. But no, I was I was clear they were going for the the mm-hmm. oh this isn't going to actually yeah. run gag, which is yeah. you know fair enough. I mean that that's not that that joke's as <laughs> old as Angel, so <laughs> that's. Uh, who is uh, who is two hundred and forty or two hundred and seventy yeah. in this episode, depending <laughs> on who's doing the math. If I'm doing it, it's uh, wrong. <laughs> uh, well, if the episode takes place yeah. when it airs, and also then it's um, wh- what the fuck yep. is Giles's you know dating? Uh, because Spike is barely two hundred. Oh. No, Spike is one hundred and seventeen in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I well I have Giles to say was distracted. Well, Giles Giles is not having a good dating no. day entirely because Jenny and her techno pagan people and the j- vampires <coughs> have the date of Saint Vigius correct. Giles mm. does not. <laughs> and by the way, they missed a they blew a joke here because when Jenny says you should read a book, uh. You know, that came out after 1066. Mm-hmm. No, 1066 is the Norman invasion. The Gregorian calendar came into use in okay. 1582. Uh, that is the no. We joke. do have the joke of it Giles is. putting his hands <laughs> in the wet paint, which you know, I, I just need to mention that because Giles okay. putting his hands in the wet paint is yeah. good again. I had a note about dating. Because they say, you know, Willow has a joke about two centuries of dating and how many women that would be. And knowing what we know now about Angel and Jealous, all that stuff, I don't think no, he, he didn't. did a lot of dating. He was sort of like a one-woman vampire. I'm sure he messed around with Drew quite a bit and maybe sexually assaulted whores, but... Okay, like, well, he didn't okay, here so is... He I will, I will speak as um, the person who obsessively has watched Angel, like... A, million times as liam back when he was liam of galway he hooked up a lot a lot because he was you know uh really 'er ne'er-do-well you know barfly always hooking up with bar wenches then he met uh darla and then when he was with darla he was fucking with darla until drusilla came into things and that was and i think even then oh yeah with Darla, yeah, I no. Well, no, actually, they, they did not have threesomes, because that comes up in the girl in question, when uh, Darla and Drusilla had the threesome oh, with the, right, immortal, the immortal, and Angel said, you never let us do that. Uh. True, I remember that. <laughs> but, like, even as Liam, though, like, yeah, he's sleeping around, That's he's true. not okay. Um he's Yeah, and then, um, anyway, so. uh, after he was with <laughs> Darla... Up until he was cursed, and after that, he was he was hiding on his own. Fr- from then on, he you know first of all was you know eating uh, criminals and eating rats. Then he ended up hiding in an apartment yum, yum. and in the Hyperion for a while. Well, he did hang he out. He did with that. 
that episode is so weird and his so, his backstory. Right. It's, like, it's like when would this fucking yeah. happen? No, like no. Um, I don't know. He took a break from to being tortured with, to you know, who, who hang out with and, and then by the seventies, uh, after um, he uh, got uh, Eliza Dushku's brother killed, um, then he you know, became the homeless bum guy. So yeah, I don't think he was doing a lot of dating. Right. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Also, I, th- I I I note that Willow is kind of conflating yeah. dating with fucking. True. True. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Which are not True. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but she's. This is Willow. You yeah. Know, no. She's no. She's. Naive yes. And, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's wrong that she does that. I'm just saying. I mean, it's like she's wrong to yeah. do that, but it's not surprising that she does it. Right. I mean, she's because yeah, she she's, does doesn't she, know. Yeah, she doesn't know at that point. Oh, can we talk about the fact that I didn't get the joke of the name of this? I did not get it until year. like last year either. I didn't get it until I saw someone do a actual side by side comparison of Buffy versus McLean. John McLean, not McCain, yeah. McLean in the because yeah. I've never seen McLean. Die Hard. It literally took me nineteen years to understand. Mm. The name of this episode, and so I just have to admit, I that believe that somebody had to point it out to me. Like I was like <laughs> reading like TV.com like trivia or IMDb or something where they had mentioned that it was an homage to Die Hard, and I'm like, oh, that's why it's named like oh, that. Yeah. It always seemed like a weird name to me. <laughs> I have, I always thought it was like a school is real yeah. hard and Buffy's gonna have a hard day, and no, I'm like, I felt like yeah, I have, I've. I have seen Die Hard. I am not a big fan. I am not a big fan of just Bruce Willis in general. So, like, I do, like, understand, like, being in the ceilings and shit and, you know, taking out the vampires one by one. All We were just missing, like, some German vampires. Um, oh, God, imagine if Ellen Rickman had played Spike. <laughs> Oh, okay, <laughs> everybody would be shipping Spuffy. I'm sorry, because he's Alan yes, Rickman yeah, and he, he ships did, with in everybody case, in the yes. world. He's amazing. Yeah, maybe if Buffy had said Yippee Kayo Kaye or whatever, <laughs> motherfucker. Maybe I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll make I'll make you feel better. I actually, until you mentioned it like last week, I actually because I I'm not really good at like paying attention to yeah. titles. I like completely okay. missed the joke too, so, so I don't feel yeah. as bad. Well, let me put it this way: it it can't be that good a joke because I actually found I realized this a long time ago, <laughs> but I keep realizing it because I keep forgetting. Okay. So I don't thank you for making me feel better about myself. I, I really love you guys. <laughs> yes, and I've it's... I've also never seen okay. Die Hard either. So what well, uh, really? I saw it, but I've saw I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. So. This is a random thing that I'm just going to throw out there because I don't understand it. There's like, in the middle of the thing, I think that when they're, it's, I want to say is when Joyce is in the room with the, the teachers, there's a poster of a one-legged guy on oh. crutches in the background. And I'm still trying to figure out what the hell that is, what is it related to, what does this mean? Can somebody explain I don't know, I, but I'm it's brilliant because when uh, Sheila, when Buffy dodges Sheila's axe and then takes it and smacks it, it hits that poster in the middle of the leg that's right the off. leg, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I missed that part of it's it. It's great. It's a visual gag. So it's just gag, a visual gag, gag yeah. that... So it hits right under where the leg would be, and it's like, yeah. So there's the visual gag. Can't judge you. Um, 
so yeah i think as far as my notes are concerned again the only thing i have is this emphasis on like uh family and the importance of it not just with joyce and not just with the like appearance of of Cordy sort of fitting in with the um scoobies but also the fact that the reason buffy ultimately defeats spike yeah. is because she isn't alone which is a theme i think that yeah. plays out through mm-hmm. the, rest of the series and, you know, and, it's, um, and, Sp- so and Spike mentions it, a slayer so with much. family and friends. That wasn't in the brochure. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 That wasn't in the brochure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On a 90s fashion note, Buffy's overalls with the baby tee <laughs> gives me life. Like, I, think, I love it. Isn't um, Willow wearing overalls in the beginning of this episode as well? And they're both wearing pigtails. Yeah, and, and and also she the fact is, that yeah. Willow's wearing a t-shirt yeah. with Scooby Doo on it again, mm. again. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, in fact, when I first, the first time I watched this, I thought it was Scrappy Doo, um, and then I was like, no, it's actually Scooby. Uh, by the this she's time, the has Scooby Doo on it. It's like the pink one. Buffy is not. Buffy by is this not time in uh, the fandom, <laughs> they were already exactly. they were calling them the Scooby Gang online, and I think that the um, writing staff were prob or you know the production was responding to that kind of stuff by putting in Scooby Doo references. Okay. Yeah. Nice. There was another chicken and egg thing where I didn't know whether that's kind of like they were kind yeah. of hinting at it already, and the fandom picked it up. But yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. So I, I know I pointed out. Yeah. Sco- I think it was in the first season. Yeah. In an earlier episode. Yeah. So so this is not the first time. Yeah, it was in the first season. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I. So. But it was there. Seeing those like over because I remember having those giant overalls. So sometimes watching Buffy just takes me back to that like. Oh, overalls. And in today's. Uh, Things that would never happen in uh, shows today. We have the they they cut the phones, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, I literally yeah. had a thought. Well, if y'all had cell phones, like they definitely did. Yeah. In I mean, I it kind of it doesn't surprise me yeah. that there's nobody that has a cell phone like uh, at parent teachers night in 1997. Like now, mm-hmm. every single person would have their fucking phone. <laughs> Like three people yeah, would be on Instagram and be like, I already called the cops. I don't know why y'all are freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I knew some people. I mean, they were wealthy and they were mostly for business, but people they didn't did, have But I don't remember ever. So. Like, again, we talked about beepers. No, not everybody, I but I knew a couple of My dad had a cell phone. My parents certainly did. We did have a giant old school phone that we would charge up. My father would charge up, make me keep in the car when I drove from my home back to college three hours away just in case something happened on the side of the road and i'm like dad that phone is not going to get signal in the middle of nowhere but Mm -hmm. still it made him feel better but yeah none Mm -hmm. of us had cell phones yet beepers yeah my dad did but i think that was largely because of his job yeah and my my folks had one because they owned a flower shop and so they had one in the in the delivery van that they could get a hold of it. It was business related, but it wasn't. Yeah. I didn't get one till. Yeah. I guess at around that time, my then boyfriend had one of the guys in his band had a cell phone for business, but he was always on it to the point where my ex actually wrote a song called cell phone 
and talking about this guy's cell phone use, which is really funny in retrospect because now everybody <laughs> has cell phone, cell phone against my ear, cell phone, cell phone, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the rest of it, but that was like part of the line. But so there were they were around then. It was just like I said, it was for business, and it was you know or usually like a rich obnoxious yeah. people. Yeah, I would know, think that Cordelia would have one, but mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. Mm. yeah, true. If if not just for a status symbol. Yeah, because I got my first, I want to say I got my first cell phone in 1999, so. There, at the time, uh, and I was deep in the Buffy fandom uh, at this point already, like in season two, it was, it was flourishing quite, quite wonderfully, and I was really into it, but there were so many fanfics written about Willow and Cordelia in that goddamn closet. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, really? I mean... <laughs> Yay, femslash! Buffy yeah. fandom was actually always really good with the femslash. Like it was, oh, it was really. I they was really, really surprised when really, I went over really to things work. like you know Harry Potter, when it's like, oh wait, nobody writes this. But I was just in this fan. I mean, I guess it comes from the fact that there were so many female characters in Buffy and Angel that you know you actually had enough like uh, developed characters that you could pair them up together. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, Buffy's always been really good about the, the yeah, the fem slash. I mean, the Buffy. Oh my god! Yeah, is big. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I bet I remember. Even when it wasn't in the fandom, I used to be like literally tripping yeah. over that stuff yeah. on like Live Journal or what have yeah. you. So yeah. it's huge. It still is huge. Actually. And I just want to reiterate. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate Sheila. Like, I really hate Sheila. And I'm, I, yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. And I think a lot of it comes down. The actress is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, she's not very good. To, I mean, because you want her to be like this really obnoxious bad girl. but I She's just really just disaffected. Sort of like her in, a, in a comedic way at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's not good. She has no redeeming now, qualities. Now, the actress... Yeah, this really was this the actress's last <laughs> film role. She had, yeah, she she only had three um, <laughs> three acting lot. gigs. Um, she was the childlike empress in uh, Neverending Story two, so she wasn't in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, two. Um, and like, she what? was in an episode no. of okay. uh, <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I forget what the other credit she had was. But uh, um, Alexandra Johns is her name, and she's actually gone on to become a quite successful documentary producer. Well, that's good. Yeah, maybe she realized or she went on, you know, 50 more auditions after this didn't get anything and smartly realized, you know, maybe it's time to find Yeah, but I really really disliked her. Um, Like, I mean, they left her alive, so it feels like they... You know, it's like, oh, maybe we'll bring her back. And it's like, no, please don't. Uh, yeah, because like, no, like, the character, like, they, it, she could have been interesting. But yeah. I, I don't like that, like, Buffy was defending her to Snyder. It's like, you know, covering up that she has been out. It's like, Buffy, why are you putting yourself on the line to possibly get into trouble for someone who is not helping you and someone who does... Wh- right. It wasn't like Snyder's... It was not like Snyder said, like, the two of you have to, you know, yeah. do this together or you both fail and throwing you both out. So, yeah, yeah you would think she'd let her, her hang But that's not dry, Buffy. She, she doesn't hang people out to die. 
I know they they did not leave her alive. They left her undead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Technical point, uh, but you know. Was this the last time the words "cream rinse" was ever used by anyone ever again? I think so. <laughs> now I still use yeah. it because every you know I think a lot of people are like this. Ooh, I bought this new shampoo and conditioner, and it's going to do all these wonderful things to my hair, and it doesn't. So I have been known to, to go. This new cream rinse is neither creamy or rinsey. But yeah, no, I remember it was used in the 80s and up to this point, but this is about the time that that particular term just stopped being a thing. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, having grown up in the 60s, mm. cream rinse was a thing, but yeah, you know, now it's all conditioner. I don't even think they make and it, most and of it, market is, it as I a I mean, it's rinse. basically yeah. the same thing as conditioner with very few. But yeah. yeah, I love that line, though. I spent a good part of my allowance on this new cream rinse, and it's neither creamy or rinsey. Just a fave of mine for some reason. I, I, I like Joyce mm. following it up with, life is hard, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is that real. That would be what it is be now, is the struggle is real. Yeah, totally. And what's really weird is, like, this is the weird parallel that I picked up, because like, later on, Drew is, like, futzing with her hair, and then she says, I'm sometimes worried that my hair's all gonna fall out and go bald, and, you know, and Spike says, you know, don't worry, darling, it never will, but it's like, I don't know why there's, they're just yeah. creating this sort of If anybody's gonna go completely bald, it's gonna be hair, Spike so. with the, uh, that kinda, fucking I thought it was peroxide. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, James Marsters has said how I believe that, that he had to bleach his hair every week. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, they he added sugar to it so it wouldn't sting it, right? as much. He, he said, yeah. Well, that's like, um, if anybody watched like Xena and Hercules, yeah. Carl Urban, when he was playing um, yeah. Cupid, had to do the mm-hmm. same thing. Because basically, I mean, all he wore was his peroxided hair, a pair of buttons, and a pair of leather trousers. And I think towards the end, I think towards the end, either he stopped yeah. in the character or he had to wear a wig because mm-hmm. he was yeah. like, burning his scalp too badly. And he was doing other roles. Yeah, in and I mean, the, he, the he also did not so have nearly as many appearances yeah. as Spike. Like, uh... Yeah. But I'm saying he complained. He he's complained. Yeah. So James Marster had to Oh, yeah. And I, I listened to. Was yeah. it. There's a lovely podcast called. You must remember this. That has the. I've been listening to that. That's. I, think there's an episode where I they love talk that. About, oh my god! It is so good. But they talk about, I believe, Gene Harlow oh, and the bleaching and the and like how painful it was because if you're going to keep your hair that white color, you have to do the roots. Like I just really looked it up. Week. Spike so. appeared in 120 episodes over both Buffy and Angel. So I mean, if you think Jesus. if they did a oh, hundred. If that's 120 weeks of, you know, work. And I mean, it wouldn't be solid. So, I mean, and he probably... I, th- I think he let it grow out a little bit in the off-season, but... Well, and the, yeah, he grew it out in the off-season, and then in the beginning of season seven... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is grown out a little bit. And so he gets a slight reprieve, but when he becomes but, yeah. Spike again... But yeah, no, he, he had... To it. Yeah, se- I just... He had seven years where he kept that hair. It probably ruined. I did he. Yeah, I believe so. I would. Have, um, I, would have I, uh, I should probably pull out the picture that I got when I met James because I met him right after season five of Angel aired, or it was airing at the time. 
And I believe he, I mean, he wasn't like completely bald, but he had like the really close cropped. Yeah. No, he buzzed it all off. Yeah. 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 I I will find that. I should actually find all of the pictures I have of the various Buffy cast members because I've got a picture of me. Yeah, I've got one of me. Yes, we've talked about that. I've got one of me and James, one of me and uh, uh, Vinny Carthizer. You love him. I remember when that happened. <laughs> you probably were like apoplectic. You're like, yeah. I can't handle uh, it. And then I've got a shot of me with everybody who was at that convention. So it was uh, like Vinny, Camden Toy, Jonathan M. Woodward, Amy Acker when she looked like she was smuggling a basketball because she was like super pregnant. Um, <laughs> and uh, I believe Bianca Lawson was there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was nice. a, a pretty nice group. Like, I, it was weird that I got that shot because I guess they had added it at the last minute to, like, they, I was in the dealer's room at the time and they literally walked into the dealer's room and it's like, yeah, we have all of the guests together. So if anybody wants to come get a picture with them for like $75, you know, come now. And I'm like, fuck yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah, awesome. I, I will. Um, I, I will scan them and uh, put them up yeah. on uh, uh, this episode's uh, feed. So, yeah. yeah. Sadly, I have never met any of the cast, and I, I'm actually kicking myself. But there wasn't like personal things. When I was at the Star Trek convention last September, mm-hmm. there was a group shot with the DS9 people, and Armin Shimmerman was there, and I just couldn't afford it, so I didn't get it done. But yeah. He's probably the only cast member I really would want to, just because. Plus, these days, I mean, like. Oh yeah, they, a bunch of them do. Really do um, some of them anymore. do like Galley, which you know we go to. Like, yeah, uh, like Amber and Juliet have come to. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, but... yeah. It... Amber has Amber has definitely been there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I want to say the girl who played Harmony. Yeah, yeah. she's there because I remember seeing her, and she was about as white as my arm. I can't think of her name right now, but I. I, oh, I, I feel really bad her. that I can't think of so... her name right now. Mercedes McNabb, yeah. Mercedes McNabb, yeah, and I and I'm and I'm almost yeah. positive that Juliet Landa has also gone a couple yeah. of times. So, yeah. Well, I th- I think yeah, what I think happened is that uh, Juliet so, had sense. come to the convention and then did Big Finish because she met the Big Finish people at um, kind of like what happened with Chase Masterson, where she just kind of become friendly with them. Uh, sorry right. for our, our, our listeners. Uh, uh, a couple of us are, are big. Uh, we go to Gallifrey One every year, which is uh, the Doctor Who convention in uh, in Los Angeles. And some of us really want to go, but we just can't afford it. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> One of these years, I'll get to Gallifrey. Never would have guessed. Hang out with y'all for a weekend. So you should come too, Logan. I am currently unemployed and also a student. Yes, so. me too. Once I'm not an unemployed student, you and I will go out there. Uh, if so we if, can if we can uh, get enough of an audience, uh, yes. maybe we'll do a GoFundMe to get enough money for you guys. Specifically. <laughs> get Andy and Logan. And I also want to say, just because it's funny, that the fact that I'm on the East Coast and David is on the East Coast and Clara's on the East Coast, and I usually only see them... I see them more at Galley than I do like at yeah. any other time of the year. So <laughs> it's like really sad that we have to go to Los Angeles to meet people who are, especially like me and David, because we're like yeah, we're not about ninety minutes well, apart. Admittedly, so. we, Jen and mm-hmm. I do get to see each other at LI Who because that's local. Yes. So, 
but uh, and occasionally movie premiere things at the, the yes the big so um things, so this, this episode, episode is, is amazing, amazing as my final thought on it it's so yes. fucking good yeah, this is one of my favorites, yeah. and I'd forgotten how much I loved it until yeah. I rewatched it, and then saw it like I watched oh, it three times so last good. night. So. <laughs> this is an excellent episode. It yes, really, definitely, really is. Yeah. it's a must see. Mm-hmm. It is a yeah, and, and and not just and not just because of how mm-hmm. important it is to the the mythology. Right. No, it's just really well written. It's well directed. Yeah. Um, well acted, and it's funny. It's scary. It's like everything that. Yeah. Should and be I mean, not only does it have the iconic beginning, it's got a super iconic ending where you um, setting up the changing of the guard in terms of the bad guys. Uh, and I mean, I know they did it because um, uh, Andrew J. Furchland his voice had begun to change, and he was getting too tall. That's why he's sitting the entire time. Yeah, mm. Joss originally wanted him to be the villain of season two. But I I'm know, like, how right? How even work, Joss? That was a dumb idea. That was just a dumb idea. Yeah, I guess he. I mean, it's he not really the is. Actor's fault, but the anointed one really He's is really the not. One. Yeah, He's not that interesting a character. I have to wonder. I mean, if you think about it, the only thing the annoying one really has a purpose for to the master is yeah. to send Buffy. Yeah. to the master mm-hmm. in Prophecy Girl. So why is he so important to all because the other vampires? Because they're super religious nuts. Like, that. Like uh, that's... But no, but but I mean, what? but he has no purpose as a religious figure. He just right, He doesn't exists. have any power. He doesn't have any wisdom. It's not like the Dalai Lama. Right. Where, well, I you know, mean, he's I know a lot of religious like nuts, and a lot of their people don't have a whole lot to do either, so... I mean, okay, <laughs> admittedly. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. he just gives them something right. to do. Right, he gives That's, them something I mean, but, to yeah. worship but, or protect yeah. or something. He's like the golden child. But usually, like they said, like there, it's like the Dalai Lama thing, where you know you find the small and supposedly you know the spirit has been reborn, so you believe and they radiate power and they do all sorts of mystical things to actually find the kid. With the anointing, yeah. he, he doesn't even do that. He's really, yeah. really bland. They never give him like any. They don't. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't let him do anything because or... they couldn't have him stand up because yeah. he was getting too tall. Yeah, couldn't stand up. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember seeing it for the first time and like just you not knowing what happened to him and then you know Spike just does the thing and, the, and I was just like oh, oh my yeah, god that, that was brilliant that that's like the best he, way to get rid of like a lame character the annoying what anointed what up into the sunlight it that yeah. was really shocking I remember when that first happened and it was the minute I was like all right this guy is yeah no and then just at the end let's see what's on TV yeah um Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, I I, I I assume it's I assume they're going to go watch Passions. Um, <laughs> I watched Passions. I, watched Passions. I love Passions. Passions. I watched so the first episode of Passions. Terrible. Terrible. It was so bad. I loved it so much. Yes, the first I watched, season... that was the one with Julie, Juliet Mills and the, yeah. the witches and the and Timmy and the weird one. Okay, listen. First first season was standard. Oh, like, it was soap opera fair. Okay, it got weird. As we moved into the new millennium, and I feel like they felt like we survived, so let's just let's just make it weird. Yeah, I think I watched that occasionally just because it was so odd. But I, I'm old school, so I watched Dark I Shadows when Dark I was like Shadows. a small child. Mm, yep. And when I got home from school every day, and they would scare myself, and not even know what was going on, but vampires and witches <laughs> and and werewolves and all sorts of creepy stuff. And anyway, and there I'm are aging myself. there are a startling number of Dark Shadows episodes. Yes, that thing went on forever. <laughs> 
friends of mine were like were were actually watching the DVDs. They never finished them because there are just too many of them. Yeah, there's a zillion sets. That's the only, that's one of the reasons I haven't started buying them or whatever because it's just not. <laughs> I, I don't have that kind of. So I think <laughs> uh, we'll right. we'll all but agree anyway. that School Hard one of the best. Next time, yeah. we'll yes. be reviewing Inca Mummy Girl, which will be exciting for a couple of us because it's the first appearance of Oz. Um, <laughs> but until then, Gurr Arg. Gurr 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 Arg. Gurr Arg. Gurr Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. Yay! But uh, this is a special episode because we've actually got some comments this month or this, this week, I guess. Um, uh, before we get into that, I just want to apologize for the very, very long break that we've had um, in between the episodes and which is entirely my fault. Well, it's partially my fault, too, but... With with the drop of mine as well. You know, everybody has situations in their lives that, you know, need attention. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's nobody's fault. We all have lives. We don't get paid for this. Though, if you do want to give us money, feel free to send a check. Yeah, we're, we're, box, we're, we're my not proud. House. We'll take money. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> and, and as the song goes, life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. So, you know... Yeah. Stuff happens. I, I kind of look at this as an open source event. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so on um, our episode about the Buffy movie, we got a comment from Dawn. She says, hey guys, I'm getting caught up and I wanted to tell you that I love this podcast episode. Love the tangents and digressions mixed in with Buffy. Oh, that's so great because we're always worried about all of our crazy tangents. <laughs> so, John, hi. Uh, nice to see we love having your comments, and we really appreciate all your support. Uh, Don and I went to college together, so I'm really glad to see that someone from a past lives are listening. So thank you for liking our tangents. It's really good, because, I, mean, uh, I mean, like, I don't know how to do it other than no, to I have tangents either. in it. <laughs> Everybody thank Don. Say one, two, three, yay, Don. One, two, yay, three. Don. Yay, yay, Don. Yay, Don. So we also got a comment on our episode, Angel. Uh, this is from Diana. So, Do you, any of you guys ship Bangle, which is Buffy and Angel? Not feeling the love here. Lol. Um, <laughs> what was her name again? I'm sorry. Uh, Diana. Hi, Diana. Well, we're feeling your love just for uh, writing a comment. Um, yes. I don't ship Bangle. If I remember correctly, we were kind of wrong. We, we, I think we made it pretty clear in that, that we were not bangle shippers. I mean, I'm not a shipper of much of anything yeah. in as like shipping per se. But but yeah, I think everyone was sort of like, mm. nope, bangle, nope. <laughs> but that that of course doesn't mean that other people can't ship bangle. Yeah, we're of the opinion of ship and let ship. Like we are totally cool with what other people are into uh but i mean for me buffy and angel i only got interested in buffy and angel when both of them knew it was doomed (laughs) (laughs) like for the 
season one and two when they're all kind of all over each other it's like meh i'm not really into that but by season three and they're like we know this isn't gonna work i'm like it's this is kind of interesting now you know and i i remember when i was originally watching these episodes live or on my vcr at the end of the night um i was really invested in buffy and angel um like i I, I, I didn't want them to necessarily work out because I think it really does mirror that very intense flush of first love, you know, especially for Buffy and all that she goes through. It was really relatable to me. I mean, obviously, I didn't sleep with someone and they turned into like an evil vampire, but I certainly <laughs> did in my past, you know, sleep with people who did turn out to be evil dickwads. So I think it did... Especially when I was Buffy's age. So I did relate to what she was going through. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily ship them, but I certainly related and I was very invested, especially come to the end of the second season because I, I identify with Buffy so much that, you know, I just, I, you know, it, it, it did crush me when she had to kill him. I did cry mm-hmm. a lot. Spoiler. So. Yeah, ship and let ship. As somebody who wasn't actually on the Angel podcast, I'm going to jump in for a little bit. Um, when I was watching, I mean, for me, I don't ship anybody on the show. I'm just, I'm okay with all the relationships on the show, basically. Um, I like Angel and Buffy as much as I like anybody else, uh, pretty much. Um, but I would agree with Andy. I mean, my feeling is also that whole sort of first love, intense, you know, I can't live without you kind of thing. I mean, I have actually been with people who are at least turned out to be evil emotional vampires so i kind of get that um but yeah i and again like if you ship it it's cool if you don't ship it that's cool too you know ship what you like be happy so. yeah at 43 i look back on those episodes and i'm like oh my god guys really hmm? but at 22 <laughs> 23 i was like doomed love hmm. you know so i think it came from a perspective and Generally, my shipping preferences is to like go off, read whatever it read whatever it is I want to read about the specific couple that I'm into, but sort of take at face value what's happening on the show. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about uh, Buffy verse couplings. I think other than Willow and Oz, I didn't like a single couple when it was happening. <laughs> I was always much more interested before they happened. Well, I think for me, the other Willow Oz and also I'm going to say Spike and Drusilla. I mean, I just think they're wonderful together. But Well, yeah, Spike and Drew is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do ship that, but not in the, oh my God, if it doesn't stay this way, my world is crushed and I'm never watching again thing. I just prefer them. Like I prefer Willow and Oz, but. But if you actually think about Spike and Drew, they were actually only together for a couple of episodes before, sure. uh, spoiler, spoiler, Angel Angelus comes back. Yeah. A couple of episodes in, in a hundred and something years. Yeah. Well, yeah. As, as someone who doesn't really ship as such, I mean, I kind of, like, I watch the show and what's on the show is what is for me. But having come yeah, in, having come in to Buffy around like sort of the early middle of season three for me when i did finally watch all the backstory the whole buffy angel thing was kind of compressed so for me it's interesting because mm-hmm. i kind of see it in terms of how it kept changing it sort of started with the yeah you're a jerk i don't like you and then the kind of like well i like you oh but you're a vampire so we can't do this and then it's like well okay maybe we can kind mm-hmm. of date and then in season two, it gets kind of hot and heavy. But then Angel turns out 
you know, Angel gets unsold again and turns into a monster. So that's over. So the, then you get that mm-hmm. stretch. And then you get the season three where it's like, yeah, we really care about each other, but no. <laughs> and so for, so for me, that's all mm-hmm. kind of compressed. So it's not like I had to sit through two years of watching that. <laughs> so for me, it, it, it's just narratively actually kind of interesting because it kept changing as you went on. Mm-hmm. And, and if you do watch it like all in a bunch, you don't have the, oh, this again thing so much. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And also, yeah, I think that the show is about a, a group of, I'm not going to say just Buffy, a group of people that start out at 16 years old and end up by the last season, like they're 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they're not like older, you know, and because of all their adult responsibility with the slaying and the Hellmouth and the helping the slaying on the Hellmouth. You know, I think we see them as more grown up, but I think each of Buffy's relationships really mirrors where she's at at a certain point. And it's very relatable because I think a lot of us have had those kind of relationships, the doomed high school love, the sort of let me get together with the guy that's super steady and stable. But gosh, I'm only 20. I don't really want that, actually. The terrible boyfriend you know, and then, you know, spoiler alert, Buffy wants to have her cookies bake for a while. And that's a good choice, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, what, what you mentioned is like, this is actually one of the things that I love about the show is that it's a show that actually has character development. The characters do change over time. And yep. and as a result, and because it's it, it starts as and, and to some extent always is a show about. Uh, supernatural things being a metaphor for actual life issues. You you have those changes mirrored in the way that works over time. And I think is one of the great strengths of the show. Totes. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we answered that question somewhere in there. Yeah. And if not, right we again. Like, we like all kinds of shipping. We really do. Um, you know, my we'll try to go a bit easier. Yeah, we Buffy should probably sort of look at it in the perspective of like, well, Buffy's like sixteen. Like Angel, I have issues with him. He's climbing in her window. He's watching her sleep. It's very proto Twilight. But yep, um, yes, right now my big ship that I've super gotten into and gone back and read fan fiction all the way from like you know the sixth and seventh season are uh, Buffy and Tara. I'm all about that right now. So Ooh, I like it's it. It's really That's good. There's some really good stuff out there. Hmm. So, I can I can totally see that. Oh, uh, yeah. I really like it, but I love all things Tara. She's my ultimate girlfriend. Yeah, well, we'll have words about that when she comes on the show, but Okay. okay. I love you anyway, okay. Andy. And I love you well, too, Jan, regardless. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, my, me personally, this is, you know, I'm not a big Terra fan, but maybe it'll be different rewatching it this time. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, uh, for our fans, if you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, and on email at return to the hellmouth at gmail.com and if you write to us we will do things like this again where we talk about your comments and 
about how we, we feel we, about We them. like getting feedback. <laughs> feedback is nice. We do. we do. And we thank everybody yeah. that gives it to us, whether it be on our social media or just, you know, people that tell me in passing when I see them that they're listening. So uh, we will see you <laughs> next Tuesday for Inca Mummy Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Say bye. 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 Grr. Arg.